Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Former Oregon State running back Marcus Screeves is, uh, he launched a career in media years and years ago after his playing days, but it finds him now at an interesting crossroads. He is now working and living in Southern California, where he is working at uh, Channel 8 in uh, San Diego, and he is uh, he's the sports guy there and uh, doing a great job for them, but uh, anchor and reporter at CBS 8, former Oregon State student, former Oregon State football player, Marcus Greaves joining us now. Do you miss football? Let's start there. Do you miss it? Uh, I'm going to tell you this. I, I miss it um, for running out of the tunnel, enjoying it with the fans, enjoying it with my teammates. But, man, let me tell you, at 28 years old, I'm moving around like I'm 70 now. So <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I'll leave everything else in the past, man. I, uh, I had a great time, but, you know, it feels a lot better watching the game rather than uh, playing it now. I, as I recall, your senior year, you suffer a knee injury in spring ball. Is that right? Yes, sir. Two ACL injuries throughout my college career. So that's where I was like, you know what? Maybe I should have picked up golf or uh, maybe uh, should have been a, a swimmer. But, yeah, man, two ACLs ended my career a little earlier than anticipated. Give me an idea because a lot of people will not play Division One college football, Marcus. And, you know, the demands on athletes at that time, you were in the program 2014, 2015, 2016, right in that sweet spot. What was it like for you? Uh, it was a great time, man. I think I grew a lot, obviously, as an individual. And when you go physical attributes, it's it's insane, man. I get to college at about 180 pounds, probably soaking wet. Um, by the time my first spring ball came around, I was sitting out at about 210 pounds. And uh, I was I was a, a little different individual, I'll say that, man. Just the growth that you have to go through in order to play Division One, um, the taxing that it has on your body. And then the exhaustion that it has when it comes mentally. I mean, you gotta you gotta be ready for anything and everything, man. And um, you know, learning the playbook, being disciplined, getting up every morning at four fifteen. For me, it was at four twenty seven on the dot. Uh, you know, just the just the burden that it takes on your body and, and your mental health. But it's crazy because it's all worth it, man. You know, it's all absolutely worth it. And just the experience you have, it's something I will forever be grateful for that I got to experience. But Again, my man, now it's nice to, to watch the game and, <laughs> yeah. and talk about it instead of physically playing it. Get, why 427? Can I ask that? Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, for a lot of us, we were the best players on our teams, respectfully, in high school. Um, and, and then you make it to college. And my first experience of college, when it came to realizing that I'm not the top dog anymore, mm. was we did conditioning my first season there. And I remember Victor Bolden, I saw Vic, and Vic and I are really good friends to this day. I remember seeing him and saying, you know, that guy, he might be a little too small to be this this all-big playmaker like like everyone is saying that he is. And, you know, me being a, a, a track guy at the time, I thought I was fast. And I'm going to tell you this, man, <laughs> I thought. Heavy emphasis on thought. We raced for the first time, and I'm not, I'm not kidding you, by the time the whistle blew, I saw Vic at the end of the 50-yard line, and me, I was still at probably the 20. So I was like, you know what, <laughs> it's a little different. But it's just 
you know, it, it's just the dedication. And obviously, in order to get on the field with all those great athletes that you have on your team, you got to be top notch and you got to be sharp and you got to absolutely um, be ahead of the game. And so that that's constant film, constant rehab, prehab, so you don't have so you don't get injured, um, and just preparing yourself every single day. Because to be honest with you, every single day of practice is is you know some game take for a lot of kids. So you got to fight your way on the field. And luckily for me, I was. I was uh, fortunate enough to work very hard and, and know what I was doing to get on the field, even at special teams, which, believe it or not, is just as hard as anything else. So um, you just got to be sharp, man, 24-7. There's, there's hundreds of guys who would love to – actually thousands of people who would love to have your position. So you got you to gotta make the most of it when you get the opportunity. Marcus Greaves is with us, anchor and reporter at CBS Channel 8 in San Diego. You made the transition from football player – uh, to media member, and I remember when you st- suddenly started showing up in the press box, you showed in news conferences. I was like, "Wait a minute, this guy's just uh, flipped the script here." So, give me an idea. Like, what? What did you always want to do that, or was that something that occurred to you while you were playing, or how did that come about? Yeah, it actually occurred to me after I was done playing. So, you know, every kid thinks he's going to go to the NFL, and two ACOs later, I was like, you know what? Football might not be for me long term anymore. So. I actually went to Evanson Bernard, former Oregon State running back. I went to his office when he worked at Oregon State at the time, and I'll, I'll never forget, he told us, he came and talked to the running back. He said, if you guys need anything from me, no matter what it is, I'm here. So just come talk to me. Now, again, I thought I was going to the NFL. Once that dream kind of was cut short, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and so I was, I was just a lost college kid. Went straight to Evanson's office. Um, obviously I was upset because I had to retire. I'm pretty sure I had some tears in my eyes and I was like, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I need you right now, man. I need your advice. And, uh, what do you think I should do? He at the time worked at NBC sports up in Portland. I'm talking bees. He said, man, this is what I do right now. Maybe you like it. I don't know. Maybe you're going to love it. Maybe you're going to hate it, but just come up with me, man. Drive up with me to Portland. We'll see how, how much you like it. But to be honest with you, John, the first time I went there, I absolutely hated it. I was like, this is not for me. I, I, I don't want to talk. I'm a little too shy for this. But then as I kept going and going and going to these shows with him, I started to understand the industry a little more, and I thought, you know what? This is something I can do long-term. So got to tip my hat to Evanson Bernard, Angie uh, Machado. Both of, those, both of those individuals helped me big time in media, um, and it's been amazing to see, and it's been amazing to experience, to be honest with you. You crossed my feed on NFL Chargers Media Day because I think you did an interview with Justin Herbert. What, what do you what do you make of Herbert's transition? And uh, did you talk Oregon Oregon State rivalry with Herbert when you saw him? <laughs> just a little bit, man. Uh, just a little bit. It's actually crazy. I, we were talking before we started rolling the cameras, and just you know, just to see the growth that he's had. I mean, I when, last time I played was when he was a freshman, and I remember a couple times in that Civil War. 2016 that we ended up winning but there's a couple throws that he made and I was like there's no way this kid is a freshman there is no way um he was a fantastic athlete obviously smart great kid and then when I talked to him for media day it was funny because we did bring it up he laughed a little bit uh we obviously knew some of the same people but man I'm telling you I I always say this on air is that there's something about Justin I I really just want him to to crack out of the shell just one time yes I I know he loves fishing I know he's a, uh, a funny guy, hilarious guy. Everyone says it, and I was just trying to get him to come out of the shell a little bit. But, man, I'm going to tell you, he was media trained down to the T. So um, we had a great conversation about ball, but 
uh, I, I couldn't get any any funny uh, any funny bites out of it. Let me ask you this, because people asked me this as the draft was coming. They said, you know, you've interviewed him. He's not a vocal guy. He's not a rah-rah guy. You know, can he be a leader? Where do you stand on that for a quarterback who maybe isn't rah-rah, doesn't like, like doesn't prefer to be the center of attention, and yet is the center of attention? Yeah, and it was really interesting because during Chargers Media Day, my coworkers and I, we, you know, we kept asking a lot of the guys, Austin Eckler, uh, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, what is it about Justin that makes him such a great leader, even though he doesn't talk and all of them said the same thing of the kid is not only talented, but he leads by example. You know, he, he's going to be the first one in, last one out. He's one of those guys that will bring everybody together. And we might not see it in the media of him, you know, doing all the rah-rah, yelling, screaming, talking. But, you know, what they were saying is he's about as competitive as anybody on the field. You see him out there, man, and, and you could tell. And so there's something that's interesting about that that he won't tell you, but you could see it in his game, and the guys understand it. And I was one of those same people of saying, I'm not sure how Justin's game is going to translate. Now, I thought about deleting that tweet so I didn't look like I did know what I was talking about, but I had to stand on it, man. And, and Justin's definitely proved me wrong. I'm sure he's proved a lot of guys wrong. And obviously we see him now with the contract that he has and the talent that he has, that he is, he is about as good of a leader as you can get. I had coffee today with J.D. Wicker, the athletic director at San Diego State, and you know it's evident that they thought they were going to the Pac-12 conference on that fateful Friday. And what was that like in your footprint as the San Diego State fans were kind of watching their path into the Pac-12 evaporate on that Friday? Yeah, and it was very interesting because I think a lot of us in, uh, here in San Diego, and to be honest with you, everybody that follows the Pac-12, was kind of just waiting to see how everything was going to shake out, especially with UCLA and USC leaving. We thought, okay, you know, let's bring San Diego State in. Their football program has seen success. Basketball team just went to the national championship game. I mean, it would be fantastic for San Diego to come into the Pac-12, but then everything kind of just dissolved, and we were all kind of left with our heads scratching a little bit, saying, what just happened? You know, we were all playing in the sports office to say, okay, cool, we were looking at the schedules. Uh, let's see how San Diego State is going to do when they take on Colorado, when they take on Washington. But then that all evaporated, and now San Diego State comes right back to the to the Mountain West. And I think we're all just thinking it might have been the right move for them to come back. Marcus, they'll go to, to Research Stadium. You know what that experience is like. This team this season with Brady Hoke coaching, they've struggled a little bit up front. And I know they got some new guys in, in on that defensive front, but what what do you see happening from a football analysis standpoint? You know, last week against UCLA, what's the problem right now at San Diego State? I think the biggest thing that, that the Aztecs need to figure out is their identity offensively. I think defensively they've always been great. Brady Hoke is a great coach uh, and a great football mind, and he will be honest with you and he'll tell you he's got to get the offense figured out somehow. Now they have former uh, San Diego State quarterback Ryan Lumley as their new Offensive coordinator, they have Jalen Maiden uh, at quarterback right now. They call him Moose. The kid's 6'3", about 215 pounds, extremely athletic, has a good arm, but he played safety last season for most of the season and then switched to quarterback. And as you know, this is college football. You can't almost just switch by the, by, you know, you can't just flip a switch and, and come play quarterback and be extremely successful. Now, the kid does have a lot of talent. I just think right now, the Aztecs don't have the firepower or, as I like to say, the horses in the stable offensively in order to compete with some of these guys right now. Now, it's going to take a little bit of time. they got to 
find some weapons on the outside. They had a lot of really good guys graduate and move on. But as of right now, they just don't have that that identity. San Diego State's known for that tough-nosed football, like I said, on the defensive side of things. And on offense, they were known to run the football. But these past couple games, they've struggled big time, especially against a team like Idaho State where they struggled to run the ball. So as of right now, they just need to find some offensive identity. And they got to get something going, get the easy passes going for your quarterback, Jalen Maiden, and get him comfortable. Against UCLA, he threw three picks, and I would say two of those weren't his fault. But, again, if you want to win football games and if you want to go up against these Pac-12 teams, man, you got to play about as sharp as you can throughout the season because these teams down the Pac-12 are really good. Unfortunately, it's the last season. That's a topic for a different time. But we see what the conference is this year, and anytime you take on a team like Oregon State, you got to bring your best ball. This uh, series with Oregon State is a home-and-home series, so the Beavers will play at Snapdragon Stadium, I believe, next season or maybe two seasons from now. But regardless, give me an idea of that stadium. What is, what's it like? You've been there. Uh, you know, Give us a scouting report on that stadium. It's a super beautiful stadium, and I think the, what I like about it is that it's raw right now. And what I mean by that is that they put it together – and, we're, and the way we see it is that we can see the expansion that they have, and I think that was the whole idea of Snapdragon Stadium. Of They wanted to be able to expand. And now San Diego has an MLS team coming in 2025. There's an opportunity for it to expand. And I, I think it's, again, state-of-the-art. Uh, once, you take down, once they took down Falcom, I think a lot of people were scratching their head trying to figure out what the new home for San Diego State will look like. And I think it's perfect with Snapdragon Stadium. I want to say... The grass on the field is the most important thing for me as a former player. I've been on the field. I felt it, man. It is about as good as it gets. So Aztecs are lucky that they have a beautiful place like Snapdragon because I know a lot of places don't really have that and a lot of places don't have grass. And as we saw just a a few days ago with Aaron Rodgers, that grass is is pivotal. Yeah, give me an idea there because – you, the players are coming out saying, uh, you know, natural grass versus turf. You've played on both. You've had knee injuries. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, grass for me, it, it just it's just a little easier, and it's almost too hard to describe why it is, but it's softer on your legs. And, and, and John, man, I'm only 28, but when I'm running out on turf, I'm feeling like I'm 60. <laughs> wow. It's crazy. But when you run on grass, it just I feel like it gives you that extra cushion that you need for your knees. And on top of that, man, it just feels so much better when you get, as crazy as it sounds, when you get tackled and brought to the ground, it sounds, and it feels a whole lot better. Marcus, I'm predicting a pretty solid Oregon State win. I Nothing against San Diego State, and I said it to J.D. Wicker right into his face. I said, you know, I just think Oregon State is so much better right now. They might be the best team in the Pac-12 uh, time will tell, but uh, San Diego State, Oregon State, tomorrow, do you have a game prediction? Ah, man, I said Oregon State by three touchdowns. Again, I think San Diego State will always put up a good fight because that's their identity. But the way Jonathan Smith has these guys playing right now with the offensive line as great as it is, the run game as talented as it is, and Coach Smith putting his guys in positions to make the plays like he has, I think that's going to be the key factor there. And, again, if you want to beat Oregon State, you got to play your best ball. I'm not sure San Diego State is going to be able to compete for four quarters, but I, I'm saying Oregon State by three touchdowns. Yeah, I feel about the same. Hey, I have Anthony Gold, the wide receiver, on later in the show. Is there anything I should be asking him? Like, plant me a question here. What would you? What would you, uh, as a, you know, as a former Oregon State player, want me to ask Anthony Gold? 
Man, there's a, there, there could be a few things, but I'll, I'll give you this. you got to ask him how many punt returns are we going to get from him this season because <laughs> that kid is about as talented as it comes with, as a return man. And I want to see it. I tell him sometimes he's got to take some hits, man, but I, I, need to see him, I need to see him get two or three punt returns for me this season. So I would say just ask him how many punt returns he's going to get. And if he says none, give him my number, my man. I want to talk All to right. him. All right, you're on. All right, Marcus, I appreciate you. Good to hear your voice. Congrats on the work down there. People want to catch up with Marcus. You can get him on Twitter, of course, and check him out in San Diego on CBS 8. Marcus, thank you. Hey, thank you so much, man. Have a blessed one. Great talking to you. All right, good to talk to you. There you go. Anthony Gold will be with us later in the show, and uh, he did not play last week. Had an undisclosed injury during practice last week. We'll find out. He had a le- he had a leg injury late last season. So I'll ask Anthony Gold coming up what's going on with him. And uh, he you know he played in the opener against San Jose State, but did not play in week two. That interview is presented by Jamba. Life is better blended. Anthony Gold coming up. Well, I posted a poll this morning. Was it uh, Colorado State coach Jay Norvell? who poked the bear yesterday. Well, is it wise strategy what he did or unwise strategy? 1,433 people have voted. There's 14 hours left in the poll, so anything could happen. But of the 1,433 who have voted, 68.7% say unwise. Jay Norvell poking the bear this week. Colorado State playing Colorado tomorrow in a football game that um, will draw a lot of eyeballs and a lot of attention. Shador Sanders uh, speaking out about it. Plus, you'll hear from Dan Lanning and Jonathan Smith, all in Punch It Audio. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Well, it's just yesterday that Jay Norvell said that he takes his hat and his sunglasses off. That's uh, what his mother told him to do when he's talking to adults. Shador Sanders, the quarterback at Colorado, says Norvell's got to be a fool. Punch it. You got to be a fool to do that. <laughs> you got to be a fool to do that. You got you got his son playing quarterback and his other son playing uh, safety. So it's like. Come on now, you asking for it. <laughs> so you you looking you looking to drop another four five on them up? Nah, it's just, it's just extra motivation. Extra motivation. That's what it is. Like you know, during a week, during a week, during a week, we have a we have a uh, great approach to the game. But then when you make it like overly personal, like we respect the team, respect uh, the opposing players. But now whenever you make it that, then it's all respect gone. Look, Colorado wakes up looking for disrespect. Matt Rule, the coach at Nebraska, stood at midfield. He was just watching Colorado warm up. And Shador said last week he thought that was disrespectful. So when you give them something extra, be sure they're going to grab a hold of it. Will it matter that much? I don't know. Colorado State not that good. And Jay Norvell may be in for a, uh, a rude awakening tomorrow. Or maybe Colorado's not that good. We'll find out. Uh, on the same topic, though, you know, I've been thinking a lot. You know, is it possible Deion Sanders is in this for Shador? Meaning, when Shador Sanders becomes draft eligible in the NFL, does Deion go to the NFL? Mike Florio and Dan Patrick 
kicked it around today. Punch it. You, I think, are on the Deion Sanders bandwagon, aren't you? Of could he be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? I would hire him to be the head coach of an NFL team if I was the owner and I was looking for a coach. Look, at the end of the day, and people say, oh, that style won't work on NFL players. Baloney. When I hear Deion Sanders speaking to his team, I'm 58 years old. I want to get up and run into the wall. <laughs> now, I won't run through the wall. I'll bounce <laughs> off of it. But if it motivates me, how's it? It's going to motivate football. I mean, we all have a desire, Dan, to, to have someone reach into us and press that button that makes us go out and be great. And that's what Dion has. I think it would be especially interesting to see him go into a team or a franchise that traditionally has not had a lot of success or has struggled to draw fans in some cases. Keep an eye on that. Colorado knows. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth radio show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth radio show. Thanks for listening.